Welcome to the Impact Masters Commission Bible Study Podcast. Join us as we study the Bible verse by verse. I'm your host, Pastor Josh Hawkins. We're going to have some deep, thoughtful, and hopefully helpful discussions to try and discover together what it means to be the followers of Jesus. Time on today. I um. I thought. Mine. Oh. Just where do you want to go today? What what shall we discuss? Because I do have a question about this dude name. Is it Joe? Joe. Joe. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody. Like God and old boy made a bet. Yes. That's Joe? Yep. I also heard that Joe's But it wasn't kids, really a bet. It wasn't a bet? No. Uh, my brother, he he's not the best preacher. He was cussing like every other word. <laughs> and then I also heard that apparently like somebody, some dude in the Bible, kids got with him. They died. He didn't. They died. He didn't? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Could you, could you do that? Yeah, yeah. What, what, let's talk about Job a bit. First of all, let's talk about... Uh, uh, the book of Job as a question of interpretation because Job is a very, very interesting book in that we don't... There's a lot of fight over what genre Job actually is. Do you know what a genre is? In the Bible? Anywhere. Non-fiction yeah, nonfiction or fiction. Those are two very broad genre. Because don't um, some people think that when they- Oh, that's the question. Yeah. Is this meant to be historical, like an account of something that actually took place? Or is this just a story, a morality tale, something, a story that we, that, you know, that we tell people to help us learn a lesson? That's the question. And go ask different scholars. They're going to give you different answers. I am of the opinion that Job feels way more like a morality tale than it does a than it does a historical thing. And one of the reasons I feel that way is because of how the story begins. With this conversation between God and the Satan. Let's take a little a little detour before we start and talk about the Satan, shall we? Okay. Why do I call him the Satan? Because, go ahead. Oh, Why? Make a joke. Uh, you can make a joke if you want. That's like because it sounds scary. The Satan. No, I call him the Satan because that's what the Bible calls him. The Satan. And the word Satan. Okay. Means adversary. And it is a legal term. Another way to say this would be prosecuting attorney. It is not a proper name in the Old Testament. Just what? It is a job description. 
Okay? Now, Jesus uses Satan as a proper name, and the New Testament uses Satan as a proper name in a couple different places. But in the Old Testament, it's the Satan, Ha-Satan, and it, it is about, it is this. Someone fulfilling this role. So I don't want you to get the picture from the book of Job that the devil, okay, like this individual that we talk about and think about, the devil, is the one who walked into... But there's more to even talk about. And what is this going on? The sons of God presenting themselves before Yahweh. What the heck is that? No. Well, what? Go ahead. Yahweh is God. Yes, Yahweh is My God. My brother said that. What? Yahweh. Yahweh. Well, he that's his that name. name. That's God's name. It means I am or I am that I am or, um, you know, one of those. So the sons of God. So what we have is a picture, a glimpse, into what, what is referred to as the divine council, okay? which is spiritual beings, not humans, spiritual beings that are in conversation with Yahweh, God, the creator God, about the earth. Okay? And the divine council is all over the Old Testament. It's also all over the New Testament. I'm teaching on Ephesians chapter 3 in my Bible study class for, uh, for my church. And we just talked about, um, I th there's, this, there's this moment in Ephesians 3, I think it's verse 12, where the Apostle Paul says that, to, that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to the uh, powers and principalities in heavenly places. What is that? Okay, what's that? Powers and principalities in heavenly places. Okay, that's the divine council. That's this picture that we see. That apparently there is a conversation going on between God and other spiritual beings that has to do with the earth. And the, uh, the, the activity of those spiritual beings had impact, impacts human lives. Okay? So it wasn't a bet. Satan, the prosecuting attorney of the earth, comes in and says, God, everybody on earth is messed up. Nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. You're not, you know, nobody's following you, God. In other words, God, you're screwing up because nobody's following you. And God says, well, what about Job? My servant Job. Right? And Satan says, the only reason he serves you is because you bless him. He didn't really care about you. You just made his life so good that, of course, he's going to serve you. And God said, okay, I give you permission to mess with those blessings, but you can't kill him. That interaction right there does not sound historical to me at all. That sounds like a story. That sounds like a once upon a time there was a man named Job. That's what it sounds like to me. It does not sound like historical. And if you go read the other accounts, which are absolutely meant to be historical, about David, about Abraham, about Moses, do we ever have another scene like this in the whole of Scripture? No. No. 
We don't. We never see this ever again. And doesn't this sound like a story that you would see like at the beginning of a movie? Where it, it doesn't even sound like, it especially sounds to me like Greek mythology. Anybody know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, Book of Life, that's exactly what happened. Exactly. Well, that's because Book of Life is based on Job. Really? Yeah. Like the sugar schools and all that? Yep. Oh, wow. I mean, not directly, but they kind of get the idea from it. Yeah, Book of Life has a lot to do with Job. And it's really interesting to watch that movie in that with that context. Okay? But it's mythology, which is what, this is why, plus, uh, we don't know when Job takes place. Every other historical book, we have a very good idea of the historical context of what's going on. You know, this happened before it, and this happened after it. Not with Job, we don't know when it happened. And the only person, the only mention of anybody that sounds anything like Job is one mention of one guy in one of the, the genealogies of Noah that names a man named Jobab. Okay, so the people who say that Job is historical point at Jobab and say, well, that's him. But I, where did they get this idea that then his name is similar? It doesn't say, and Jobab, the one whom God tested, blah, blah, blah. No, it just says Jobab and talks about his kids. That's it. So we have, I, and this, I'm obviously biased. I really think this is mythological. I don't think that this is, uh, that this is a historical account. So, why does it make a difference if this is a, a morality tale, a mythological tale, or a historical tale? Um, it makes a difference. It does. I cannot give you a good reason as to why. <laughs> I know that it does, though. Well, there are things that we can take from a historical tale ideas that we can take from a historical tale that we can't take from a mythological one. For instance, is God the kind of God that would make this kind of agreement? I don't think so. I'm with you. This does not sound like the activity of the God of all creation. It definitely doesn't sound like Jesus. Because what's the first thing that happens? Satan kills all of Job's kids! They're all having a party together. Satan knocks the house down and kills them all. It's the first thing that happens. And on the same day, all of Job's wealth goes away too. It's just this horrible series of events that all happen on the same day. And you're telling me God is okay with that? That God would open the door for this to happen to someone who has faithfully served him? I don't think so. See, and if we think, I don't think that's true. I don't think God would. And I don't see any, any evidence of God doing that to any other member anyone else in scripture okay so when we know it's not historical we need to suspend disbelief a little bit are you with me if you thought star wars was a historical tale then you would have all these questions about why can't i feel the force and i want to be able to travel as hypers in hyperspace and when am i going to get my own lightsaber right okay but we know it's not. We know it's not a historical tale, even though it says at the beginning, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, it's not. It didn't really happen. It's something somebody made up. Right? And when we know that about Job, then we can say, <laughs> we don't have to worry about, is God having that conversation with Satan about me right now? Isn't that good news, that maybe God won't do that? 
Yeah. I'm sorry, but it feels like good news to me. Because we don't see, we don't have another scene like this anywhere else in Scripture. So I think it's very important. And the people that say the Job is historical, I just want to smack them across the face. Because they probably also think the world is flat. But anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> but the thing the is, flat. Yes. you think about the world being flat, it's oh, think no. about it. No, 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 no. I say I'm a flat earther, but they've made some pretty good arguments. No, they didn't. They made. They made. They have not made any good arguments. They've made. No, they've made what sound like good arguments, but they're actually not good arguments at all. Think about it. Think about it. You look at that ocean. It's flat. It takes like what is it, seventeen miles to be able to see the temperature? It's not. But it's not. Yeah, because the Earth is really miles. big. The oh Earth is God. very, very large. It's so flat. no, we don't see. <laughs> see, here's the problem. Okay, here's the problem, and 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 this is the problem we run into all the time when we start talking about scriptural genre. Okay, because there's stuff that we read in the scriptures. Like, I saw a woman that I know that's a flat earther, mm-hmm. and she said, this is my favorite, she said, oh, if, if the earth is God's footstool, then it must be flat. Exactly. How are you going to move around? So I just asked her, if the earth is God's footstool, where are his feet? You can't see it as God. That doesn't, you don't get to do that. You don't get to say, this has to be literal, so that does, but that doesn't have to be literal. You don't get to do that. It's either all figurative or none of it's figured. That's you know what I mean. And we do this with scripture all the time. Like when, uh, like when God split the Red Sea. There's this whole thing where it says with a blast of His nostril. Well, does that mean that's really what happened? That God came along with His gigantic nostril and was like, Maybe. and that's how the. No, that's not what it means. It's poetic language. It's figurative. It's yes, He did. Yes, He did. But that was an actual thing that took place. When, with an actual embodied Jesus Christ, who was a human being as well as God. This is God. This, they are not the same. So he can't, like, uh. God doesn't have nostrils. How do we know that? He does not. He doesn't have. And we talk all the time about God's face and God's hand. God doesn't have a face or hands, except for Jesus, who did have both. Okay? And nostrils. Jesus had nostrils, too. There's a whole lot of things. I... I used to teach junior high Sunday school class back when I was in high school. And my, and my favorite part of that class was when we would talk about Jesus' humanity. And I would talk, I, the name of that, of that particular day was Jesus Pooped. Because nobody thinks about that. Do you? That Jesus pooped. Jesus probably had B.O. Jesus had testicles. Ah, uh, see? You don't think about that, do you? <laughs> Jesus was a human being. What does this poop look like? It looks like your poop. <laughs> or any other human being's poop. Okay, Jesus was a human being. And it's really important that we understand that, but I, I digress. In fact, the New Testament says that anybody that tries to separate Jesus from his humanity is antichrist. Ooh. So we need to be real careful about that. Because we do it all the time. We take Jesus out of his humanity all the time. We pretend that he's just God and not man. 
but he is both, and we have to remember that always. It's very, very, very important to remember and recognize Jesus' humanity. Okay, but, I, like I said, I digress. I'm getting away from what we're talking about here. So Job, is it historical or is it mythological? I think it's mythological. And the reason, and, and I, I, there's, I have more reason, that the, the way that this tale is written doesn't sound historical. Just doesn't flow in a historical way. It flows like some like you're telling a story around a fire, right? You know, it's like, okay, so once there was this man named Job, right? It sounds like, uh, like, like mythology. It's not meant to be interpreted that way. And we make these mistakes all the time with the Bible. People make these mistakes all the time with the Bible, where they take something that is figurative, they take something that's poetic. And they interpret it in they interpret it as literal, which is why we end up with people that say the Bible says the earth is flat, therefore it is flat. First of all, the Bible doesn't say that. And second, even if it did, probably wouldn't say it mean it literally. Okay? Wait a second. Aren't there satellites in space that take pictures of Earth all it's all the time? They, they take right. clips. It's all a like cover clips. up. They can't just take a photo of the earth. The flat, the flat earther people. My favorite is I saw a flat. I saw a post by a flat earther that said the flat earth movement making con- convincing people all around the globe. No, I'm dead serious. Because the flat earth is still circular. It's not a globe. A globe is a is a, is a sphere. Anyway, it's funny. That was funny. Hey, we have. Proven over and over and over again scientifically that the Earth is round. It is not a cir- is not a flat circle. It is a sphere. Okay. I watched a whole documentary, really, really well done documentary about. I think we talked about this, didn't we? About about uh, the heliocentric idea of the of the uh, of the universe or the solar system being being based in uh, in in the occult and then it's a satanic idea and blah 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 really beautifully well done totally garbage logic and 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 scientific inquiry but but actually looked brilliant they got a smart british guy to do all of the you know the voiceovers uh, talking and stuff so it may, you automatically think oh this guy must know what he's talking about I listen to British people instantly. If a British person told me today that um, the most outlandishest, stupidest thing ever, but with a really sky good, is yellow. Yes, like, I will literally be I like, would, now maybe like where though? Like I'd ask questions, but I believe it. Be like, can you show me the sky? And it's really easy to make an argument that sounds convincing when you aren't inve- when you aren't interrogating that argument. And we're not good at interrogating arguments. We're just not. We don't. I can you, instigate an argument really well. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm really good at that, too. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things, to, every once in a while when I'm reading a really bit, I would just drop a bomb on social media and be like, let's go. Guys, it's just now getting light. Sorry, I'm looking at, looking at the map. <laughs> the flat map. It's all a cover-up. NASA isn't real. They were just trying, it's just... The moon landing was fake. The moon landing was fake. 
the first one. You and guys I believe in etc. 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 I believe that the second one wasn't. Moonlighting wasn't fake. I don't care too much about the second. It doesn't matter anyway. But let's go back to Joe. Think about the fact that if, if the Earth was flat, where would Antarctica? And what, what, are, what are they called? Antarctica, Antarctica is the ice parts. wall that surrounds the whole Earth. Don't you know anything about the flat Earth? Think about it, guys. How do people go to Antarctica? It's there, but it's an ice wall that surrounds the whole Earth. I know this because I searched it. So you're not allowed to go to certain spots in Antarctica because the government, not just ours, other ones, the like whole, the government of the whole world. That's true. It is restricted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this I is their this is their thing. This is their thing. Okay, so they would they say the Earth is just a circle like this. Okay, and the North Pole is the center of that circle. And all of this is the, is Antarctica, is this giant ice wall that surrounds the whole Earth and holds in the oceans. Yep. So they think it's more like a it's shaped like a frisbee. Yeah, it's flat. <laughs> It's like this. And they've got no. You know, it's a flat Earth, and it's and the Bible says it's he, that God set it upon columns, right? The Bible also talks about the firmament, which is the hardened dome that goes over the Earth, and there aren't really stars. There's just there's just holes in the firmament that shine through, That's and then good. God's throne is on top of the firmament. Let's go to, let's go to there are really <laughs> intelligent <laughs> Christians that believe this garbage no, but I because the Bible says it. But the Bible says it figuratively, not literally, and that's our problem. Stop making us look stupid, flat earthers. Okay. Because now everybody's like, you can't believe the Bible. The Bible says the earth is flat. You can't believe the Bible. The Bible says that, that racism is okay. That, uh, yes, I know. The permanence. I know. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. So, what is the... Uh, now that we've talked about Job for two minutes, what genre is Genesis 1? Fiction. I'm not saying it's fiction. I don't think it's fiction. It's a song. Oh, yeah. It's where the first... It's a song. I thought there was just fiction and nonfiction. Well, there is fiction and nonfiction, but poetry is a genre. It is absolutely a song. Go and read Genesis chapter 2. Plus, wait a minute, which one of the two creation narratives am I supposed to believe is literal? Because there's two and they sit right next to each other. Go look. I don't know, so are we really... Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are two separate creation narratives and they don't even go in the same order. Read Genesis 1. Somebody pull it up or I will. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Here we go. Okay, so Genesis 1. Oops, I clicked on the wrong thing here. Oh, stop it. Here we go. Genesis 1. Okay, I'll read it in the New International Version. So that's, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, now I want you to pay attention because in Psalms and poems, what do you do? There's repetition, right? And there's pattern. Okay. God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw the light. 
was good. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the waters from the waters. That's this dome, the firmament, that vault uh, that people talk about. So God made the vault, separated the water under the uh, vault from the water above the vault, which, by the way, when it rains, that's because water's coming through the firmament, you know, not clouds or any of that stuff. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. Do you hear the repetition? Yeah. Okay. So on and so on and so on and so on. Okay. Right? We go through the seven days of creation. Day six, God creates man. God saw all that he was made. It was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished his work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all his work of creating that he had done. Right? That's the first account of creation. Here's the second. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And the Lord God formed a man. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. There aren't any plants. But God's creating a man. Because don't he use dirt originally? But wait a minute. Go back and look at... Go back and look at chapter one. When did God create the plants? Okay. It's, it's verse 11. God said, let the land produce vegetation. Da, 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 da. That's day four. When did God create man? Six. But in the next chapter, it says there aren't any plants. But then God creates a man. <gasps> what are we going to do? What are you going to do? If both of these are to be taken literally and both of these are true, what are you going to do? Pick my favorite. That's what, that's what most people do. I'm going to pick my favorite. I'm going to ignore the fact that there's a contradiction here and I'm just going to keep on moving. That's what the guys do at the Creation Museum. Shh. I know I'm not supposed to talk bad about them, but I heard it's a bunch of malarkey. Anyway... I have huge problems with creation science. Huge. You can't call it creation science. Because you start off with what you know, and then you try and prove it. That's not how science works. They do. That's not how science works. Science works starts with a question. And you, you guess what the answer might be, and then you try and disprove your answer. Not try and prove it, you try and disprove it. I, you know, I, I want to see if this is true or not. Nope, it's not true. I need to change my answer. Well, creation science starts with, this is what happened because the Bible said so. So now I'm going to go and find all the reasons why nature proves that that's true. Do I believe God created the earth? I absolutely do. But that doesn't make me a creation scientist. It also doesn't make me a young earth creationist, by the way. I don't know how long it actually took God to create the earth. I have no idea. Well, that's what that poem says. But that poem is about categorization. That poem is about talking about how God created everything. Maybe. 
It is about naming the things that exist in the world and saying God created them and putting them in this pretty little thing and day one he created. Da, 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 da. That's literally what it is. It's a song. It's for kids. Maybe? It's meant to be memorized and thought about. By day they actually mean year. Is that why so they open maybe by the Bible? Dear, maybe by day they actually mean millennia or, or millions of years. Who knows? We don't know and that's... The answer. The science says that the Earth is three billion years old. Three billion. Bada boom. Explanation. We don't know. What the the thing is, we don't know. That's the problem. And we need, as followers of Jesus, to be able to say, "I don't know." We need to be honest enough to say, "That's not what this text is trying to do." That's not what Genesis 1 and 2 are trying to do. And do you think the people that edited together the Bible, yes, it was edited! Genesis is obviously written by more than one person. It's really clear to anybody that spends any time really reading it. It doesn't even sound like the same person. Didn't multiple different people write the Bible? Yes! But even the book of Genesis itself has multiple Multiple authors like and multiple editors. There's 44 more. Mm-hmm. So there's about 40 plus 44. What? There's lots of theories about, you know, who wrote what when, but we don't know. Do I believe the Bible is inspired? Yes, I do. Do I believe it's the word of God? Yes, I do. Do I believe it's true? Yes, I do. Do I believe it's factual? Not always. Oh, there's a difference. Yeah. You asked me what the Bible, like what it means to me, and I believe what I believe about the Bible. So I went on this long spill about all of that, and I believe it's verbally inspired, and then so we talked about things. Sure. I don't know if I believe it was verbally inspired. <laughs> That's what JBQ. I don't know if I believe in the plenary vert. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if I believe that. I believe that the Holy Spirit worked with a human being in order to write something that was a product of both human and God. I don't know that every single word was inspired. That's my problem. Job. <laughs> well, Job is inspired. And there's beautiful things to learn from Job. There really are. That guess what? Your earthly circumstances have nothing to do with telling you about how God feels about you. That's an important lesson. Because we all go through crap. Monday morning, one of the elders of my church. Her name's the Monday morning. No. No. On Monday morning, one of the elders in my church woke up, told her husband happy birthday, and then collapsed. And they had to do CPR on her for 30 minutes and shock her back to life. She's now at Parkview Regional Medical Center. And they don't know if she's going to make it. That's scary. Does God love her? Yes. Of course he does. And it's because I've read books like Job that show righteous people going through difficult things that I can say just because she's walking through this time and just because her family's walking through this time does not mean that God is angry with her, does not mean that God has abandoned her, does not mean that God does not love her anymore. It just means she's going through something really difficult and she and her family are hopefully going to learn the same kind of lessons that Job learned, that this life is inexplicable it's impossible to completely understand but that we can trust God in the midst of it he's with us he loves us and he's going to take care of us 
even if that means after we die. Does that make these times any easier? No, it does not. And are we going to take a minute every once in a while when something bad happens to go, God, this makes no sense to me. Of course we are. And we should. But that's why Job is important. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's not important because it's a historical story about this guy. And it's not important that the historical facts about this are all absolutely true because it's in the Bible. So let me ask you, so a long time ago, you guys know who C.S. Lewis is? No. C.S. Lewis is the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But he was also a great Christian thinker and theologian. Okay? I would highly recommend anything he's written. I love C.S. Lewis. One of the things, somebody came to him and said, because he had been an atheist, and through studying, uh, he encountered the Lord and God, and he gave his life to Jesus. I haven't. Homeboy was an atheist, and then somebody yeah. challenged him to like do a deep dive. Disproves the Bible, and guess yeah. what? Almost a, a bunch of people that have tried to do that have ended up following Jesus afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> C.S. Lewis is one of those. Somebody came up to him and said, "So you believe that a snake talked to the first two humans in a garden?" you know, so many thousand years ago. And he looked at her and said, you don't understand how the Bible works. It's not important that a snake was talking to people. It's important what he said. That's a good thing. I'm going to write that down. Okay. What is this story and what did the writer of the story and God inspiring the writer of the story, what is it trying to tell us? That's what we need to be asking. Is it trying to tell us what happened on the first 24-hour day that, that, uh, that, uh, that of, of, of the seven 24-hour day create of, of, of days of creation? No, that's not the point. This isn't a scientific journal. This isn't, a, this isn't God saying the universe and how I created it in detail. No, that's not it. We're trying to learn about who God is. We're trying to learn that God is the creator of all things, which is why we get that beautifully ordered description where all of creation is broken out by category. And this is, yes, God created this. Yes, God created this. Yes, God created this. And man is put last. Why? Because man, we believe, is the pinnacle of God's creative work. And we've been called to partner with God to bring order and flourishing to God's work. That first Genesis story is also a temple-building narrative. But you and I have never really had experience with temples or temple-building, so we don't understand it. But in the, in, in the context in which it was written, it was very clearly a temple-building thing. And what's the last thing you put in a temple? A dude. The idol. build the temple and then you put the image of the God in the center of it. And what's the image of our God? You. And me. Yes, human beings. So God built the temple. He built the surroundings. Then he put the image of himself in the center of it. Why? Because God wanted to live in his creation. 
Oh, so it's like you build a house, you know, mm-hmm. buy some land, build a house, live mm-hmm. in the house. Yes, God was building a place where he and his creation could be together. That's the story. And that's a way better story than the other. Because it means that God wants to hang out with you. It also means that when that, when that was interrupted and the image of the God said, I don't want to image you anymore. I'm going to image something else. Oh, now we have a problem. Now not only is the image messed up, but the temple is broken. You following me? Maybe. I feel like somebody would have eventually but again, been Abel. I think what you're doing there is missing the point of the story. Yeah. Because was there an actual Adam and Eve that ate an actual fruit? I was told. The answer is. I was totally told that the fruit was like um, like symbolic for the nasty. Absolutely, it is. Oh, for sex? <laughs> yeah. No. You're like, no. No. <laughs> No. The fruit is not symbolic of sex. God told them to have sex. Be fruitful and multiply. What do you think that means? Oh, I thought he said that after. He does, but that's still what he wanted them to do. During? Yes. What was they doing all day? My friends, they they walked around naked all the time. What do you think was happening? I didn't know. Were so were they blind before they? No. No, they, they, just, could see they just didn't realize they were They could see better. They didn't have an understanding of what yeah. naked yeah. was. Yeah. They had no reason to be ashamed. And so, of course I'm naked. And they just like, of course I do. They didn't know what clothes were. They didn't have any reason to cover themselves. There was no, there was no shame. So it wasn't like, you know, there wasn't that impulse to be like, don't look at me. That didn't exist. Don't and then, that's think why it was. Was. Like the garden, because it obviously wasn't in the Middle East, not the Middle East. What do you call it? The Midwest. It's cold well, over here. We once again, the Earth is a very different place now than it was then. True. Do you think there was winter back then? And was there really an actual physical garden? I don't. There was it. That, that's what I'm saying. This story is a song. Yeah. This is a this is a song. You know, there's some meant to teach us. Really important things. There's some people that walk this earth that think Jesus is a white man. There are many people that walk this earth that think <laughs> Jesus was is a white man. Wasn't he born in the Middle East? He was born in the Middle East. Yeah. So let's think about that. He's Middle Eastern. So was Jesus yeah. a white man? No. Absolutely it sense not. For him to have been pale. But let me say, can I can I really stretch your brain? Yes. Whiteness didn't exist when Jesus was born. Are you for real? Were there people with pale skin? Yes. Oh. Did they think of it? As white or not white? So there was no. no Russians? No. They, didn't, they thought about nation states. They thought about peoples, like our tribe. Mm. But they didn't think about white and not white. Because there's way more not white people than there are white people. Mm. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's true. In the world, not in the United States, but in the world, there's way more non-white people than there are white people. Mm-hmm. Most of the Bible is about non-white people. In fact, mm. almost the entire Old Testament is I know, it's shocking, isn't it? What? I'm talking about, what? Your app, I don't know, something smells good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I do have one, like, huge question I just thought of. Um, so, 
like um people always tell you like ayo you're struggling all that read your bible right yeah but like where do you go like say for instance you're struggling with um a drug addiction like you just open up genesis and just be like hmm you know like weird because it's like such a it's a big book it is and people like always say that what they probably mean is that it would be very life-giving for you to have a pattern in your life mm-hmm. of constant exposure to the scripture. Yeah. That's probably, That's probably what they mean. Okay? Yeah. But would they know enough where to point you when it comes to you know, getting some help from scripture uh, to, to avoid you know, any kind of addiction? Like, is there like, oh, I feel like the internet should have a catalog for that. Like, if you Google, I feel like if you Google, you can probably find something. You can absolutely find something. Be like, I'm struggling with um, heroin. Um, yeah. Google and this. For sure. Open something up. Yeah, that's definitely out there. Scriptures to help with addiction. You'll get, you know, 25 pages that are like 40 scriptures to help with addiction. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, you will. Because they're all out there. Um, I have an off topic question. Yeah. Have you read God's at War by Kyle Eidelman? No. no. Who is it about? God's at War by who? Kyle Eidelman. Okay. Wait, what's it about? It's, I don't know like, exactly what it's about. But he said... God's at War with who? Is it like, which, which mythology is Ooh, it? Because that stuff scares the crap out of me. It's... When we start talking about God at war, I get really nervous. Is it God or gods? Because it says gods. The title has... Oh, God. Is there a parenthesis? Small g. Small g. Yeah, sorry. Small g. Yeah. Oh, okay. Small g. Well, that's probably talking about... It might be talking about this whole divine counsel idea that I was just talking about. Because we were talking about, like, God's will over our own will. And, like, there's a certain situation that I have going on, like, letting God's will be done and not my own. And, like, if you... Your heart is a battlefield, and God's at war. Um, it helps every believer recognize there are false gods at war within each of us, and they battle for the place of glory and control. Absolutely in true. I agree with that statement. Yeah. So it's just like how we. He was, he was basically talking about how, like, um, if God is your main focus, yeah. like, everybody struggles with putting stuff before God. You're an idolater. Yeah. So am I. Right. We all are. And yeah. discovering the idols that still exist in our lives. Yes. And here's the really crazy thing is sometimes, sometimes our understanding of God is at war with the actual God. Does that make sense? Like sometimes our idol is our particular understanding of who God is. And the Holy Spirit's trying to tell us something else, but we're going, but we have this other idea about who God is that is turning our attention away from what the Holy Spirit's doing. That's a lot of times when people go into the whole, uh, what do you call it? You know, I can't think of the word now, all of a sudden. Um, you know, where they start to question their faith and whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, it happens at that place where my picture of God uh, and God are at odds with each other in my own heart. <laughs> That's something that I've learned a lot in the past few years. Thank you. Like, especially being raised in the Baptist church, like, how totally different it is. It is. The past year and a half of coming here and 
so like being an AG, like yeah. my what I thought God was was completely different, almost completely different than who He actually is. Yeah. And so like, that's something that's been very eye-opening for me in the past year and a half that yeah. I've had to discover. Uh, I have over my, you know, long years of following Jesus. I'm 44 years old. I gave my life to Jesus when I was three. Okay, so, <laughs> um, so I've had lots of wrong images of God, and here's a clue. My image of God right now is still wrong. The journey is letting the Holy Spirit show you those wrong images and dismantle them. And trusting him that he's still got you, even when you're... Even when he's putting his finger on one of those images that you thought was God and letting him take that apart without letting that throw you outside of his influence. Does that make sense? So I'm in here talking about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and I'm here going, hey guys, maybe the interpretation of that that you've always believed isn't, isn't the best way to interpret it. There's a lot of people that would be like, I don't believe in anything anymore. Like that's just what would happen. Right, if this isn't true, then nothing's true. Smash, right? That's what happens. Okay, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> what? That was split? Is that why he dropped? No. <laughs> he just re react that way. No. Well, he, he quit about two weeks in, really. Two yeah. weeks in? Uh, wrestling with, 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 yeah. with all of this. I mean, oh, he did that with Nathan yeah. with our first first-year class. Yeah, our first first-year class, they got into it like... The second year was standing out, they 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 would you know, he was like eavesdropping because they got loud again. Because he honestly believed that he knew everything. Yeah. And he was extremely he he was very smart and he was very well educated. Yeah. But he lived in this fundamentalist world where God had to follow this exact pattern of what he of his understanding of God. And as soon as but that's the thing. Every time you think you have God nailed into a box, you turn around and God's handing you the last nail. That's what happens every time. As soon as you think you have God figured out, he's there going, uh, excuse me? I'm thinking of, <laughs> well, what are you doing over there? Not me thinking of like Bugs Bunny doing something like that. Absolutely. God does that all the time. God and Bugs Bunny are very similar. I'm just kidding. But that's, that's the way it is. God is always doing that. He's doing that to us all the time. And, and there's so often... So, can we get to a space where I can say, I, I, I believe in God, and I, be, I believe in the God revealed by Jesus Christ. We kind of have some, some, some of the big, the, big, the big things that aren't, you know, God, God is love, yeah, God created everything, God, but, but, and just leave it there with those big things, and we let the details just kind of go. Okay? Because you know what? If I build my faith on those little details, then if one of those little details gets messed with, my whole faith collapses. But God is bigger than us, and he's much more complex than we are. And to hold him in that space and say, I can't figure you out, and that's actually a really good thing. Because it's way easier to worship a God. Well, it's not, actually. I would rather worship a God that I can't manipulate or control. True. Because if you can't manipul 
if you can manipulate and control them, then you can um, why have respect for them. Right. Is he really God if I can manipulate and control him? Or am I? Exactly. I do have a question. Another yeah. Question. This is completely off topic. No, go ahead. that old boy Dylan? Um, Pastor Dylan? Dylan? I don't know where he's from. Kentucky, uh, Virginia? West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah, Dylan McNeely. He's looked at camp a few times, I know of him. I don't know. Okay. So, he was at church camp doing a little preaching. Not church camp. He was at whatever we were at. Preaching and all that. And he said, you might have been born that way, but God's not going to let you say that way. And he was obviously talking about the LGBT. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Right? So, what is your takes on that? Do you think someone can be born gay? And, like, Um, as a pastor, like, how do you preach that group? I think sexuality is plastic. I think that it is, uh, that, that... Um, I don't think anybody's born anyway. I don't think they're born, I don't think we're born heterosexual or homosexual. I think sexuality is formed over time. Um, I have, I have issues with gender. Gender is a social construct and a physical reality. And to be able, we need to be able to talk about both. Mm. So in this, in the world that we live in now, we talk about people that have penises, people that have vaginas, instead of talking about men and women. Mm. And I just, I, 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 I think that's an interesting. <laughs> I, uh, you were born genetically either male or female, unless you have, unless you're one of the very, 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 very rare instances where someone who has more than one, you know, there's some people that have like two X's and a Y, some people have two Y's, some people have, yeah, you know, etc. There are people that are physically hermaphroditic. Okay, so so they have multiple sets of 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 genitalia like that happens okay but that is a genetic mistake um and so uh that's that's not something you can that you just realize later on in life oh oops you know um so i i don't even know what to say to to all that my my question is (laughs) always okay when it comes to when it comes to human sexuality i think god has um laid out a track in front of us mm. as to remember we talked about this before sex is incredibly powerful yeah and it needs to be treated with respect it needs to be treated as powerful as it is if i had a nuclear weapon in my hand right now right uh even if let's not even go let's just say i have a vial of of of, of a point poisonous chemical and if i drop it on the ground everybody in here dies okay mm-hmm. Would you be okay with me just flailing it around like well, no, like it was no, no big deal? No, because this is this 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 could kill us all, right? That's that's how powerful this is. But let's say that that same thing used in a correct way could like power the city for a week, right? This, so there needs to be rules around how this thing is handled. Does that make sense? Sexuality is the same way. There needs to be like really good ideas around how this is handled. And we can talk about what those rules really are and what the Bible has to actually say about those rules. But if you, if you hear anybody use the phrase biblical sexuality, you're talking about someone who hasn't honestly read the scriptures. Because you look at the whole story of scripture and the picture of sexuality we get from the whole story of scripture, even from some of the biggest heroes in scripture like David. And we're talking about messed up people who have broken every sexual law you can imagine. Are you with me? Yeah. And yet David is 
man after God's own heart. Mm. What did David do? David had multiple wives. David was uh, absolutely adulterous. Mm. Uh, and David? there's reason to believe that David had some same-sex attraction issues, too. David yes, and David. David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Wow. Go read the stories. Which book is that? Samuel. First and second Samuel. So, so why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because this is an incredibly complex issue that can't be dealt with in a two-minute conversation. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, does that mean that, you know what, because it's complex, just go do whatever you want, whatever you feel like doing? No, that's a terrible idea mm-hmm. to just go do whatever you feel like doing. Well, that person's attractive. I don't care if they're male or female or who's it's what's it's. I don't. I just wanna. I I want to have sexual intercourse with that person because that's how I feel. That is a terrible way to approach life. Sure. It's a deeply destructive way of approaching life. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, but how would you like? Because a lot of times, like in the churches, it's like. You do this, you go straight to hell. But that's not a very constructive way to talk about it, you know? It's a terrible way to talk about it, and a way that has no connection with how the Bible actually works. Yeah, because I have youth students at my own church who um, identify as trans, gay, this and that. Right. And, like, they'll be, like, in the back of, like, the, the church, like, when they come to thing, and then just hear the pastor go off and on and on about right. it. Yeah. And it's like, you can see the way that it's not positively doing that. Absolutely. I think that's a huge mistake. You know, which is why we don't. I don't do that. How come people like? It's just like they don't like. What is the best way to talk about it? Because this is scary stuff. Why are people so scared? It's scary. Mm-hmm. The way that they've understand their whole world, their whole life, mm-hmm. might not be quite right, and that's really scary. And anytime you're encountering something that's unknown, a culture that you don't understand, a person that doesn't even look at, at life or understand life anywhere near the same way that I do. It's really scary. Mm-hmm. Plus, there is, I don't know, I, I mean, there's... This whole conversation need, needs to be approached with real compassion, yeah. with real wisdom, and with real love for this person, no matter what is going on with them sexually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My old yeah. pastor would talk about it like from on Sunday mornings, and I had left this church, and then I went back with my friends just to try it out again, and um, one of the main reasons I left is because one of the guys in the church, it was a small church, less than 30 people, his daughter came out non-binary or something like that, and he would call them out on Sunday mornings and talk about her finding and that yeah. would make me so angry. And that's, that's, that's how you how old, And how old was she? Like, only like 12 or 13. See, that's yeah, the that's issue. Like, yeah, like oh, my so gosh. Young. You know, when I was 12 years old, I used to tell people I was an alien. Right. I was an alien. I did. You know, I'm just saying, you know, so, and, but am I going to get called out from the pulpit right. because of my immaturity and stupidity? <laughs> no, I'm not, because they just say, oh, that's silly. But, but here's a young person who has real questions about her own identity about her relationship with her body, about who she is as a sexual being. And we're just going to just, just from the pulpit, just kind of like broad brush, like she's a, she's, it's a demon, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, no, what are you doing? And I've seen like firsthand, like this guy, like my freshman year, he stopped after my freshman year. 
but it, like junior high and all that because they're like right next to each other to like have like a loudspeaker and all that right like when school got out and was like saying all types of crazy stuff like um jesus hates gay people all types of stuff and like this guy i was with threw a drink on him right there was like people crying all types of stuff like he was just causing like huge hysteria the police was doing nothing but like i was just like because he wasn't actually physically on school grounds he was across the street i'm like that's just crazy yeah i was just like this is absolutely crazy and i feel like it's people like that christians like that which is making people more scared of the church of course than accepting you know? So who do you think is at work in this person's statement? He would probably tell you that he's doing God's work. He would probably tell you God told him to do it. What do you think? No. I don't think it's God. It's not my God. My God would not condone hate. What's that? Right. I just hear more and more like it's so hard to be openly 100% proud of me being a Christian when there's just like almost every other time I open the internet or like even in person or I have friends who tell me some stuff that crazy Christians have done like conversion therapy I was like well what in the world like that is not my God that's not my people right like I don't blame them but it's just so hard well here's the thing they are your people it sucks that they are they are my people too. And what they're doing breaks my heart. Absolutely breaks my heart. I think it's deeply misguided. And I don't think the Holy Spirit is in it at all. But there's another one of those situations where your picture of God and who God actually is are very different from each other. Mm-hmm. And can we have enough self-doubt to say, and honestly, that my picture of God's probably wrong? A few years ago, I put on Facebook, I put just, just, just the phrase, just look at yourself in the mirror today and say, I'm probably wrong about most of the things that I think are correct or something like that. And you would not believe the crazy wackos that came out of the woodwork to yell at me and say that I was horrible and I shouldn't be pastoring a church and I didn't know anything about Jesus and we build our life on the foundation of the word of God. And I want to go ahead. Guarantee I've spent more time in the Bible than you. I didn't do that. But I, I wanted to flip out, but I just let people rant. I just I didn't say anything. I just let them rant. And when it was finally when I was finally just done, I posted one thing and I was just like, take a look at the way that people have interacted on this post and remember. Guess what? Everybody that is so convinced that they're right probably wrong about at least about something i'm not saying we're wrong about everything that guy that was standing there yelling god hates whatever but no no is he wrong about jesus no he's not wrong about is jesus the messiah yeah jesus is the messiah did god create the earth yeah god created is he wrong about god's attitude towards gay and homosexual people yes he's absolutely wrong about how god feels about anyone who is in sin are we going to stand here and say god hates all sinners we ought to be pointing at ourselves then because guess what i'm a sinner and every single person that's ever lived on the face of the earth all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god why do we pick this one particular sin and make it worse than all the rest when in truth the bible has very very comparatively little to say about this particular sin 
There's literally eight verses in the Bible about homosexuality. Eight. Do you know how many verses there are in the Bible? It's like 30,000. Oh, wow. Okay. There are, there so are there eight verses. Because it, homosexuality scares people. I don't know why. I'm glad you don't, you don't know why. And it definitely scared my parents more than it scares me. And it, it probably scares me more than it scares my kids. And it doesn't really scare me. But, well, yeah, because the view about homosexuality has radically changed. Let me say this to you, okay? When I was a kid... If you were having a baby out of wedlock, you really weren't even welcome at church. Yeah. Are you for real? For real. Mm-hmm. You want to know what my mom was told when... So, my mom's... My brother's grandpa... Her, her, his, his dad's grandpa, so his great-grandpa. Mm-hmm. When he found out that my mom was pregnant with my brother at 18, out of wedlock, he looked at my mom and said, go get an abortion. What? So, you yes. don't condone that, but you... What? As a pastor. You see what I'm talking about? You see how messed up it is? Yes. You see how messed up and, and then, disgusting this is? And then when my, mom, when my mom had my brother, and they look at me, they're like, oh, yeah, he's not Christopher's kid. And my mom my mom had to get a paternity test on my brother to mm. prove that my brother was his. That's oh, messed Lord. up. I feel like... Do you know what, what, what divorced women had to go through? They get stoned. If you were a divorced person, male or female, the AG would absolutely not allow you to become a pastor. Until just a few years ago. And now, still to this day, it's still like they have to investigate what happened in your in, in your in your divorce. That's so messed up. They have to well, I don't I don't know that it's messed up. I mean if this person is still living in immorality, then right. obviously they shouldn't be made a pastor. But yeah, at this, but like divorce? Yeah, I mean, so many reasons. Yeah, on the situation. Oh yeah, like if it was adultery, like oh yeah, I cheated on like, you know. But if like it was like a domestic And how long situation. ago was it? Yeah. And What's well, happened since? Yeah. And there's so many questions to ask. So if I got married in Vegas and then we like, oh yeah, that was a that was my that bad. was a mistake, and yeah. you end the divorce, and you then end I the marriage. The pastor, oh, right? Like, they would they would be having a long conversation with you about it. Yeah, I don't know. What, what led to so you making the right rational decision? Okay, so the woman, the the young lady who's taking uh, the, that is becoming the pastor of our kids and youth, she's a divorced woman, and we've talked a lot about. They're, they're going to grill you about this. Because she wants to be ordained through the AG. And I want her to be. And so you need to know that, you know, and depending on who you get in your interview, <laughs> um, they, they may go hard about this. And they are going to ask you very personal questions. Mm-hmm. Are they going to look at our social medias? You know, they should, but they don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong. They, like do, they do check your credit report. I don't got no credit. <laughs> Wait, now. What does our credit have to do with us being God? I think it's um, because as a pastor, I'm responsible for the yeah. church's finances. You are? Yeah. You're financially smart. They have to make sure that I actually know a couple things about yeah. finances. Plus, finances are a measure of someone's words. morality. Sure. If I'm irresponsible with finances in my own life, then what am I going to do with the church's money? put somebody else in charge. Well, I think that's always a good idea, honestly. Yeah. But I think the board should be in charge of finances, you know. But the buck stops here. <laughs> okay, I'm legally liable for what happens at the church's finances. Oh, wow. I don't know if I want to be head pastor. i tell you right now, I really, I, 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 wish, I, I wish I had known how much of a, a how, how much of that stuff 
a lead pastor has to do, especially in a small church where I'm the only staff member. Because a few years ago, a guy who was doing the books for our church didn't know how to do his job and didn't know enough to know that he didn't know how to do his job and never asked for any help. And so he really put us in some really bad situations. He didn't ever steal money from us. He didn't ever do anything like really illegal, but he didn't file paperwork on time. We ended up losing our insurance. We ended up losing our 501c3. It was ugly. It took, took me a whole like 18 months to like un, to fix all the crap that he broke. Yeah, I'm not handling my finances. Oh, it was horrible. Uh-huh. It was horrible. And I was the only one to do it. Why? Because I'm the only person on staff. Who else is going to do it? And I did get help. I went to, to accountants and I went to legal people. I, went, I was like, help! I don't know. I don't know what to do. And now Brotherhood Mutual handles all that crap, so I don't even have to worry about it. Thank Jesus. I'll tell you what. Well, this program is very inexpensive, and they do a great job. So, yeah. I also know a lot of people on staff at Brotherhood Mutual. And they're good. they're good folks. Is that in Fort Wayne? Yeah, it's just up the yeah. road. Is that Blue Building? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I know a few people because of oh. interning at my old church's office so much that I was excited for meetings and stuff and had to meet them. <laughs> well, you guys know Kevin Rainier? No. He's a board. He's a board member here. Um, As, or yeah. and Brandon Lemberg. Um, and uh, 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 Kibiger. Um, Michelle Kibiger. She works oh. there. And uh, there's quite a few quite a few people that go to church here that are on the staff. Anyway, this was a very wide-ranging discussion. We need to be done and, you know, soon. Question? Uh, I just, I, it reminded me of a story we were talking about, like, the falls and, like, the end of Charles and stuff. So, like, when my, fa- when my mom, like, left the Charles and the flag to move to Arkansas, she was, like, the children's pastor. So my, my parents did that. My my dad did children's and youth, then passed away. We didn't have a youth. But anyways, my mom was the children, kept children's pastors because like, they tacked in that. Mm-hmm. And so she kept doing it, but then left, moved back to Arkansas. And so they had someone else take over. And like she, you know, was doing good at her job, but she was fine for the divorce. And so um, the children, and like the thing was, like we were a small church, but because um, we had a head pastor, the head pastor leave, so the bigger, this bigger church um, was like, was sure. like, hey, if you sign to a contract, we help yeah. you out. And so that was their pastor, was from other church, but saying like, hey, like since you're getting into a course, um, like we'd like you to step down because like she was saying, oh, he was cheating and all that. And they're like, let's like, we want, and so she started bashing the trolls on Facebook, mm-hmm. and was like, and one of the elders of the trolls was like, hey, like when I, and I didn't even notice this elder went through the trolls, so like when I went through my trolls, like I needed the trolls help this to help me, but like I couldn't really do that much, and like that's what, but then it comes out like she was the one who cheated, and she was only saying that he cheated because he caught her, um, and so like it was this whole deal, but like, she was just passing the choice for like telling him to step down from children's ministry because he was getting into divorce. You know, sometimes I, I don't think a person that's going through a divorce is in a good place to be doing ministry at the time. Yeah. And not because they're getting a divorce, yeah. but because 
that's really, really hard. It is. Yeah. <laughs> because they're in this terrible place. And, and you know what? They need to be attending to their own soul during that time. Yeah. And the question is, did they stay close to her? Now, obviously, she didn't want them to. But I have watched, I have watched churches have that kind of a conversation, which is a pastoral conversation. Mm. You know what? Your life is a mess right now. It's not. We're not saying it's your fault, but it is. Mm. And so we want to keep you close. We want to love on you, but we want, we're, we're just going to ask you to step out of the leadership position for the time being. Mm. And really walked with them through it. You guys know Julie Pio works in the office. Okay. A few years ago, her husband was a pastor on staff at this church. And uh, a lot of stuff that had gone on through for a long time came to light. And he stepped down as pastor but I, um, because of it. Um, but I watched this church come around them as a couple. And they're still a part of this church. And they're still in, and now, you know, he's been fully restored and is a part of ministry again, not as a pastor, but... You know, teaching a class and whatever. I didn't know he used to be a pastor. Yes, but like sir. He, when he spoke last, do you think he was a pastor? Good. He was a pastor for years, like twelve years. I'm just have, saying um, that was how the church should handle this kind of issue. I thought it was handled beautifully, but at the, but I've also seen it handled really not well at all. I like how this whole channel things it was like. This choice, man, like, this has the ball. There's some real health. There's some real health. And we can all be grateful for that. So what happens if you fall out of love? Like, you got married young, and y'all just, like, was so in love, and y'all thought it was the right thing, but it's just not. Right. And you, like, you no longer, like, love each other in that way. Right. And you want a divorce. Like, how do you, what if, do they, like, still, like, have, like. Well, here's the thing. Marriage isn't about love. It's not about love. What is marriage? Ryan said that before. It's about waking up. Yeah. <laughs> now it's easier if lo- if if you love each other. Yeah. That's the truth. So what if, if there is that attraction, if there is that whatever, but but that's not what marriage is about. Marriage is a promise you made to this person. Mm-hmm. Whether you have feelings of attraction for them or not, I mean that'll make marriage a lot harder if you don't. But but if you don't, you know, and there are definitely days when it's easy to love my wife, and then there's days when it's not. There's definitely days when it's easy to love me, and there's days when it's not. But that's not what our marriage is about. Our marriage is about we promised before God and to each other that we would be here until the day that we die. And that's how this works. I don't, I have commitment issues. I don't think marriage is for me no more. No, that's probably. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. Don't get married then. Because yeah. I don't think so. Because I want to love somebody. Mm-hmm. What if I love them forever? Yeah. What if I get to like Again, my 70s and like. It's not about love. Yeah. Not like that. Not romantic love. There's a different kind of love. There's, there's the love you learn how to do, not the love that comes, that comes easy, or that just happens on its own. And people say, I, we, we got divorced because we fell out of love with each other. Well, guess what? That's not a reason for divorce. Dang. Marriage it's is not. hard. Marriage is really hard. You have to work at it every single day. Yeah. Yeah. My best friend got divorced, and he was working in this <clears throat> church office like I was, and because of that divorce, him, his mom, dad, and myself were basically, not fired, we were basically let go because of that, but then they supported his ex-wife, his now ex-wife, and let her do all kinds of stuff, 
but then turned their back on him. And it was a mutual thing that they yeah. both agreed to do. Well, it's not like they could both stay on staff at the same time. Right. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing. She wasn't even on staff at the time, but they added her on yeah. staff. My brother's divorced. The one that's from Hawaii, because um, she was like really like emotionally, verbally abusive, right? That's how Which is absolutely insane. And he wouldn't see most of it because he's in the Navy. He'd be deployed for like months on like a boat. And like when he was like there and all that, like mind you, my sister was living with him while she was training to go into the Navy. And she'd do crazy stuff like, oh yeah, you can't eat the food in the house and all that. Mind you, my brother paid for the groceries. Like, she wasn't even working, like his wife. It was just like everything. And she was just horrible. Mm -hmm. Horrible, horrible. Well, Threw a blender at I, there, does, there, there, there does come a time when marriage is not working anymore, where when people are doing real damage to each other. Yeah. And the question is, I mean, and that's where divorce comes from. God himself was divorced. Twice. He married Israel, the nation of Israel, and he divorced them in the Bible two times. Wait, I'm so confused. Because I'm... she cheated on him. Israel? Israel's other gods. Girl? Israel is, is a nation. Oh. <laughs> I don't when my parents got married, because like, my 